Thank you for joining us today for TEDCO Talks, a new series featuring thought leaders in economic development from across the state of Maryland. Join TEDCO CEO, join TEDCO CEO, Troy Lamel Stovall for a special episode of TEDCO Talks filmed in front of a live audience at TEDCO's Prince George's County pop-up. In this episode, Troy is joined by Dr. and retired Major General Linda Singh. Listen now to learn more about Linda and the role she plays in supporting Maryland and DC's entrepreneurial ecosystem. Hello everyone, this is Troy Lamel Stovall, the CEO of Tedco. We are live tonight. Prince George's County, it's getting, it's getting low, come on. I don't care what Tedco said. We are here at the Hotel of UMD live. Uh, with a lot of great folks who are here in Prince George's County. I can't be more excited to be here tonight. Thank you all. I absolutely have to thank Tammy Thomas and her team for all the great work. Applause for Tammy and her team. I also have to do a shout out. We have a great group of people from Leadership Maryland. Renee, thank you for your team being here tonight. I really appreciate you and all that you do for, for Maryland, all that you always and do, and do for Tedco as well. Thank you, Renee. So I am here tonight with um, someone who is uh, the definition of servant leader, someone who is uh, a true testament to what it means to be, a, 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 I think, a patriot uh, to this country and to this state, uh, but for me, at a very personal level, a friend, uh, and someone who has been a friend, a mentor. The, I have never forgotten, uh, just after I was uh, asked to serve as the a CEO of Tech, I was introduced to Linda Singh, and uh, she just just gave her time, her energy, her relationships, her connections, and she continues to this day, and I've been here over a year. And uh, so I couldn't be more excited for tonight to, to be here to talk to, uh, and as I learned this weekend, and we'll talk more about this weekend, to, to, I, got, I think I got the titles correct, uh, retired Major General Dr. Linda Singh. <laughs> All that in order. <laughs> I think I got that order right. So um, I, I think to start, um, you know, this week we, we lost uh, General Powell. Um, we lost General Colin Powell. And, um, and I've got a, a person, and I'm going to let Linda talk in a minute. She's got a connection as well. I think we even have a picture uh, with Linda and, and General Powell. And uh, I was connected to General Powell. I used to work for a guy named John Palmer. I ran and started his uh, family investment office, venture capital investment office years ago. John got nominated to be the ambassador to Portugal right after 9-11. And so after 9-11, because of security, only his family could go to the State Department. At that time, General Powell was the Secretary of State. But John got myself invited along with the family to go inside the State Department. So going to the State Department, you know, again, at that time, you had to give up a pint of blood and half your life story and all that kind of stuff. So, so, so I show up in this beautiful room there at the State Department, and General Powell walks in, and he, he greets John and his family. Again, I'm the only other black guy in the room. And General Powell comes up to me, Linda, as if I'm his one of his old army buddies. He's hugging me and slapping me. I was like, he, but he tells me more about my life than I know about myself. I'm like, who is this dude? I mean, you're General Powell. I don't know who the heck you are. And so we stay in touch for, for months, actually a couple of years after that. So then fast forward, I'm interviewing for to be the executive vice president at Howard University. And my interview slate is uh, General, uh, Governor Wilder, Vernon Jordan, who we just recently lost, and Colin Powell. I'm like, wow. And he remembers me again. He says, oh, yeah, man, you did a great job with John. He says, son. He says, son, you know, son, I need you to get your, I'm, I'm, well, I know y'all, we got a bunch of church going people here, so I ain't going to say what he really said. He said, son, get your butt here because we got to get the trains running on time. He had different language than that. But 
And, and, and we stayed in touch after that. He's just an amazing individual. And oh, you've got a story for General Powell as well. Yeah, um, I wasn't expecting to talk about the boss man. <laughs> but um, so first off, he was my idol. Um, and as you can probably imagine, if you are a young uh, military officer and you see someone of his stature, his composure, you're just like, how can I be like him? I mean, he resonated everything that I wanted to be as a leader. And when I first got the chance to meet him, um, I was in my civilian capacity. I was working at a PeopleSoft booth for a center, and he was the keynote speaker in uniform walking out. And so right at that time, you know, I'm listening, trying to listen, but we had to man the booth. And yeah. he walks out, and, and he speaks, and I'm like... <laughs> And I couldn't say anything. And so my, you know, one of my colleagues who was with me after, finally I got up the courage to, oh, yes, sir, yes, sir. Oh, he's talking to me, okay. Um, my colleague was like, I've never seen you speechless. And I go, I'm, I, that's General Powell. <laughs> like, you know, why wouldn't I be speechless, right? And so, um, but then um, when I came back from my first deployment, I had to go to um, this uh, training at St. Charles, our training center at Accenture, and um, he was one of our keynote speakers. And they said to me, how would you like to get a photo with General Powell? And I go, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> but then they came back to me a little bit later and they go, Linda, you know, you've done so much for us. How would you like to go to the luncheon where he's going to be talking to the faculty? Uh-huh. And I was like, that is even better. I said, if you call me to come back, teach whatever course, manager course, I'm back, right? So this would be awesome. What they didn't tell me is that they knew they were planning this the whole time, and they um, set it up so that when I came in for lunch, I'm sitting right next to him. Yeah, the problem is I couldn't eat. (laughs) I, I, you know, was trying to have a conversation with him, and I think I sound like a complete idiot. Um, And then, you know, fast forward years later, I get called by the New York office to introduce him at one of the business forums. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he walks in, you talk about how down to earth, he walks in, I don't even know where he walked from, but he came in in a baseball cap, you know, suit jacket on, just off the street. It was just, it was so amazing. But I think, you know, the thing that, to tell you how much of a, kind of a, maybe I'm like, you know, one of his little minion followers, but I have his action figure. Yes. I didn't think you were going to say, I, I wasn't going to put on the spot and tell you that. because you. And it is an action figure. It is not a doll. It is an action figure. And there was only so many of these made. And so I searched high and low and I paid a pretty penny for this action figure that I have put away and I've displayed it in every office. And my husband actually asked me the other day where it is and I go, you're not going to find it <laughs> because I do have it put away and I have several signed books by him, but um, just an amazing yeah, he was. person, right? As well as his wife is an amazing person. And so my heart truly goes out to the family. Absolutely. So thank you for sharing that, that person. So look, I, um, I, I, as Linda likes, I, I tell her, she's, she's, she's included me in her orbit and she's got an amazing orbit. That orbit includes a military career, um, uh, a corporate career, uh, a mom, a wife, 
a very large family, um, an author, and, and, and you know, and obviously, if you don't know, she was the 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 uh, interim direct executive director at Tedco before I uh, stepped in, uh, and still serves Tedco and has served the state. And so, this past uh, weekend, uh, I was honored to be able to be out at um, uh, out in way out. Uh, I was out. That I that kept driving and driving and driving and driving to Sykesville. It's like I love you, but boy, this is a long, this is a long drive. And, and so, so I get out here, um, and they've got this beautiful armory uh, that's that's there. And I'm there, and the governor goes, and he he uh, he he talks about it, and what he talks about, and they just approved it yesterday. If you hadn't heard, but this 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 new armory uh, is going to be named after Linda Sink. <laughs> <laughs> And, and what you have over here is her official portrait. And what's, what's so great about, not as just a beautiful portrait and her speaking, obviously, is, is that uh, it's going to be you know, in the hall where all the other. And of course, Linda was the first woman, first African-American to lead Maryland's National Guard. And so she's just a, a, an amazing. So I hope we're still going to be friends after this. <laughs> I, I couldn't thank you for for and and, and uh, it's just a great honor for you to to have this and to be there and you spoke there at that that time and this one we want to talk a little bit to start the conversation about your journey and you know I've got your two books Linda's an author she's got two books and and, and her, her first book if you don't know is a uh, moments of choice uh, my path to leadership and and, and Linda's I think about this word path I'm, I'm stuck on that word path because path entails a journey. Path entails a journey, and if you don't know, this is a woman who literally has been homeless, uh, slept in the car, um, and she tells on the street on the street uh, has just an amazing story of kind of getting over some very significant personal challenges uh, in in her life to rise to be you know a, a major general uh, in in our, in our national guard, and then being a managing director at Accenture. So my my point is in path in, in any path, Linda, there are there are forks in the road. There are forks in the road, and you have to, sometimes one fork looks like and appears to, and everyone's saying that's the right path, but you decide to go down another path, and that ends up being it. And, and, and I'd like you to talk to our audience here, and, our, and obviously our folks who are listening, a moment, or maybe it's two, because you could have them, that not just that the path, but how you thought through that decision to, to when it was an obvious path versus one that wasn't so obvious. Well, I mean, I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why it was called Moments of Choice, and, and there's another whole story about how Moments of Choice came about, but um, it is all about a series of choices. And so while the path um, can be a reflection of many different paths, it's also a series of multiple choices. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you make a good choice, and you end up in, in a great location, and sometimes you make a, a bad choice. Um, but I think the key thing is that um, you know, the choices are yours. And you know, when you think about you know, various countries where the choices are not yours, um, I, considered my, I consider myself extremely honored to be able to have made a lot of choices, some of them not so good, and some of them you know, really great. And so the reason why I called it you know, moments of choice because you know, at any given time, you're going to have to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And you only can make a decision with the information you have. And so, um, you know, when it's, you know, a moment of choice, it is a moment. And so for 
even as we look at our most senior leaders, they're given a set of information, right? They're not going to have all the information and they have to make a choice. Good, bad, or indifferent. They got to live with that choice at that moment. Now, it may have far-reaching impacts. And so I think that's the, you know, the thing that I've learned later in my life that I, if you would have asked me in my much younger days, we probably would have had a different conversation, right? But you know, later in my life, I realized that um, it's a culmination of all these things that you build as your foundation and your experiences. So I was going to go different, down different path, but your answer made me go different. I want to go to your other book, What's in Your Toolbox, What's in Your Box? At the top of chapter four, it's about intention. And I was struck by what you say here, and this is, I'm quoting, intentions are your guiding principles for how you want to be, live, and show up in the world. Intentions are not to be confused with goals. They aren't something to which you attach an evaluation. Intentions are what you are to, uh, excuse me, attention are what you want to align with. They are aims, purposes, or attitudes that you want to commit to. Is that what you're talking about? Just That's so absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it took me a long time. So it's, it's, it's interesting because as I look at, um, you know, our lives, mm-hmm. I always tell folks that you have to be intentional. If you are not being intentional, then you are missing the boat, right? You're missing a whole piece. So you have to be intentional about everything you do every single day, every choice that you make, um, because sometimes... Um, and, and I'm a party to this as well, where I let other people pack shit into my, excuse me, pack stuff. I know you guys, you got church going people here, Linda. Come on, you know, help people out here. You know, pack stuff into your bag, right? And you just, what do you do? You just sling it over your shoulder and you keep going. Um, and most of that stuff is not with a good intention. So, oh, you just, again, we didn't, we didn't, this is the next quote I have here. You know, I'm, I'm using your books as my interview, so yeah, yeah. When you, this is um, in, about filling your box. And you say here, when you realize there are no limitations to designing your life, you can fill it up with whatever you desire. That's where you can truly set new boundaries. Excuse me. Those new boundaries establish the guideposts for you to move forward. Those are not limitations, but a way to focus on things that matter and to push the things that don't matter outside of the goalpost. Yes, absolutely. And, and that, is, that to me is key. And the reason why I chose a box mm-hmm. is yes, because what, yeah. almost every single time if you give someone a box and they say, well, that's limiting me. No, it's not. It's only your mind that limits you. What you decide to do with that box, how you configure that box, what you put into that box is only limited by whatever your imagination is. And so my, my thing was really getting people to step outside of what they perceive as limitations and take off that, you know, the negative connotation that comes with many things that were given and define it for yourself. But what's the box? So, because so, again, it's a whole book about define what you mean by the box. The box is a semblance of your life. Mm-hmm. What you put into your life is simply what you're going to get out. And so most of the time, we want to be able to physically do something. I physically need to do something so I know that, you know, my outcomes or whatever I'm going to achieve. So if I give you a box and I tell you to physically start putting your goals and objectives in that box, and when you accomplish one, take it out, you're going to be like, oh, my God, I actually got one out of the box. You'll be like, oh, reward. Can we clap? Like little dogs. Right? 
You, absolutely. You got your little dogs and your, your, little, your little noisemakers. Absolutely. My little noisemakers. There's no right? Ankle biters. <laughs> right? So, I mean, it's, it's really the same thing. It's, it's kind of this reward system. The problem is that we don't reward ourselves mm. enough for the small things. We wait until we get these big, 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 hairy, what I call hairy, bodacious goals. Right? Um, and we want to get those big ones because that's like the ultimate but what about the things that you do every single day leading up to that? And we never celebrate. And we should be celebrating all those things. So therefore, we get discouraged. Yep. We start walking away from it. And we start getting this negative thought in our head like we can't accomplish it. And how would you translate that to an entrepreneur? Because we got a lot of entrepreneurs oh here tonight. A lot yes. of entrepreneurs listening, obviously. Yeah. But here tonight, talk to, talk to an entrepreneur about that. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, it completely relates, right? Because when you think about an entrepreneur, the first thing you're going to, you're going to be thinking about is, I have this new thing that I want to do, and it's big. And you're thinking about, I have to get all of this done, and you're focused on this, but you don't think about all the little steps that you take. And sometimes it is about quantifying all those little steps to the right people to then move it to the next goalpost. Right? I mean, if we think about a football game, right? So everybody likes football. Um, we, oh, well, there are some quarterbacks, I guess, that can do this and running backs and so on and so forth. But most of the time, we are taking the game, right, line by line, mm -hmm. right, or multiple lines, right? So we're hitting, we're going, you know, moving down the field. Right. We never, ever get on the field and almost out of the gate as soon as we you know, hit it, we're going to hit a touchdown. You just, it just never happens, right? So you've got to put it in a series of events and activities. So as an entrepreneur, you need to break it down into manageable pieces and parts. Now, oh, by the way, make sure that you're doing it with intention because there are going to be things that are noise in and around what you're doing that needs to be thrown out because it's just noise. So focus in on what's most important. And only you can answer that question. What's most important that I have to focus on today? And I see this, you know, too, you know, too often with, you know, small entities where they're trying to boil the ocean, mm -hmm. right? Or what I call eat the elephant. And, and, you know, if you ever tried to eat an elephant, maybe you haven't, maybe that's just really bad form. I'm sorry if you're <laughs> from places, it's not that I eat elephant, I don't. Um, but if you ever try to, you know, look at an elephant and say, I'm going to, you know, take down this elephant, you can't do it all at once. Right. So you've mentioned a couple of times, and I know when you you talk on Saturday, you talk about your getting your orb, but the people who were there for you and have been there for you and continue to be for you. So I'm 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 looking at again another quote. Again, I'm still on the what's in your box. Um, we may feel that people are putting us into a box that we don't want to be in. We may feel that they are thinking in a box. Excuse me, or that we are operating with the constraints of a box. I guess where I want to go is how important it is to having that people around you and, and, and how you made decisions about the people you put into your life around you. Yeah, this is something that I didn't understand until much later down the path that um, while even with family, so I'm just going to throw it on family. Um, all family is lovely, but not all family is good at all times. A to the man. A to the man. Right? There are times... <laughs> when you need to not answer the door when certain family members show up. <laughs> I'm just going to say. Because they may not have your best interests at heart, right? And, and I hate to say that because I love all my family. 
but there are certain family members where I'm just like, I love you as long as you are in the next continent. <laughs> right? When you show up at my door, I'm not home. Because they change how I see myself. They, you know, um, and I'll use a very personal example. Um, you know, one of my brothers. Um, I get off of a phone call with him. Mm-hmm. And so first off, we don't talk now. So we don't do phone calls. But if I get off of a phone call with him, I am not only pissed and ready to like kick his, you know what, <laughs> right? I am just like, what an ass. Because he's so self-absorbed and the only thing that he does is he likes to put, no doubt, his sisters down. Mm-hmm. So he's either talking to me about one of my other sisters, about the way she looks or this, and I'm just like, dude, like who the hell do you think you are, right? So I keep him out of my orbit because that kind of energy drains you and then you can't spend time thinking about the things that you should or putting your energy in places that you should so I am very very careful about the people that I allow to be in my orbit now that does mean that you know I just don't hang out with a lot of people mm-hmm. I love social events and I am like a socialite but I don't have a lot of close friends because I have learned that I can get drained very easily by having to pay attention to things that are not my immediate issue, right? It might be immediate for them, and, and I figure out how I need to deal with that, but, it, it, but it's not necessarily my immediate issue. You reminded me of two things I tell, uh, something I tell our kids. Is, uh, one is, um, well, it's actually more of something I say, something someone taught me, is that, you know, pick your friends really carefully, because for, cause family, you get no choice in that. You get, you, you get married into that or you just get what you get. So the only real choice you have in life is the people you decide to have in your orbit. Absolutely. The other thing that we actually do tell our kids is you can only rise to the highest level of the lowest level of the friends you keep around you. That's true. That's <laughs> so, so think true. about that. You can only rise to the highest level of the lowest level of the people you keep around you. Uh, my, my, our daughter goes, you know, our, our daughter goes to, uh, uh, to High Point down in North Carolina. And the president who I've gotten to know, he's, he's an amazing. He, he talks about, you know, everybody needs to go meet all the millionaire kids there who have the private jets. It's not that they got the private jets. You need to find a friend who got the private jets. So you can be on the private jet coming home with, with the friend. And so it's, he's in very intentional about saying, go meet these people and make them part of your orbit. Yeah. Especially if you want to get around because, you know, if you can avoid all the other air travel and all the private jets. <laughs> oh, that's my good. God. So I want to go back to moments of choices, <laughs> if I may, Linda, because um, I'm because, I'm, I'm, um, again, Again, I didn't do a good job of, I mean, Linda has, this, has had this career. She was a managing director at, at, uh, at Accenture, rose to the highest levels there at, at Accenture, was there for, for decades. Uh, same thing, decades serving, serving the country through the, through the Guard, uh, obviously rising to the, to the level of leading the, the Guard here in Maryland. So she had both of those careers parallel. I mean, this, this wasn't, wasn't one and the other. She had this. And so I'm, I'm stuck here by a quote that you have here. It says, climbing the corporate ladder learning to engage my brain first and my mouth second. Now, knowing you, Linda, that's interesting <laughs> that you even put that in a book. <laughs> you want to talk about that? Not really. <laughs> um, so, you know, the reason why I put that in there is because um, my early years, I was angry, right? I mean, I was angry at the world. Um, I was I was just angry. Yep. And if you said something to me that just 
struck me the wrong way, you would get the brunt of whatever was happening that particular day, right? Um, and, you know, that started working against me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the military, not necessarily in the military, but it, it really started working against me in the corporate environment because there was behavior that to this day I'm not proud of. Um, and it's that youngness, it's, you know, being young at, at mine, but more importantly, I carried for a long time, probably for at least a decade and a half after leaving home, maybe more, maybe even two decades, um, what happened to me with my parents. I carried that, right? I carried every negative thing that was put into my head as a teenager into my professional life. Mm-hmm. And I took it out. It was your baggage. It was, it was, it was my baggage, baggage, right? And I took it out on everybody else. Mm-hmm. Because what I was taught through my, my mom was that's how you, you know, you just take it out on everybody else and that's okay. But it's not okay. And so I had to learn to engage my brain, right? Take that pause. Now, if I'm going to say something, so if I, you know, say something and I'm being intentional about it, that's different than just letting it fly, right? <laughs> so like, say for instance, if you run into my car in the parking lot and because you parked too close, you're gonna get a couple of words from me and I'm gonna be like, okay, really? Like, yeah, so you'll get a couple of words from me, the right? Drunk but, soldier, the junk soldier, junk sailor. Absolutely, yeah, well, <laughs> it, it, and it may not even be that, right? So other than the lady who tried to steal my parking spot like one year, but yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, other than that, you really have to think about how you engage other people. And you know, the most important thing is that we're all human. Yep. And so you may not know what's going on with that other person. And you could say something that is one straw too far. I mean, think about this. That's one straw too far to where they could be the active shooter. Mm. Or they could be the person who goes and commits suicide. Now, granted, that's never happened to me, but that's the magnitude of what I've seen over my life and how it can affect other people. So we have to think about how we come across and Amen. maybe just you know, think a little bit. Take before that second. We, take that second. Take the second. Take the, take right? the breath and make sure that you. it's intentional. And, and I've actually gotten to the point where I'll say, hey, I know you're not going to like what I have to say but I'm going to say it anyway. So I'm giving you now the preparation, get you prepared, and then I'm going to say it, right? So, you know, as I was, um, I got, because I got one more quote, and, and you know, Tammy's giving me the, the signal, you got to you know, shut down, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm probably about to go off script on in a minute, so she's probably really going to be mad at me. But I'm looking at, in the middle of the book, there are a bunch of pictures. And one of the ones that just caught me, Linda, is the picture of her mom. And if you get this book, I know most of you can't see yeah. this, but it's, she looks like her mom. I mean, when I say she could be her, her mom's uh, twin, I mean, it's just an amazing, when I see this picture, and she called it my beautiful mother. She is, this is a dead ringer for you. It's amazing. The other thing you may not know is, so, you know, you're sitting here seeing Linda sing, and you're sitting here trying to, you probably, some of y'all might be scratching your heads like, what is a black woman from Western Maryland with the last name Singh? Well, she married an Indian dude. Raj is a cool bra. When she was here, she knows I love her, her Raj. She's playing golf, by the way. Well, see, there, there you go. And so she's got this wonderful picture. She has great pictures in the house of, of, from, her, uh, uh, from her wedding. Uh, where she's in, 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 and she actually, in the book, in both of the books, talks about some Buddhist principles that have influenced. You want to talk a little bit about that? 
Oh, I mean, yeah. So religion for me is quite interesting. Um, actually, I was talking to somebody earlier today, and they go, I didn't know you went to a seven-day Adventist school. So, I mean, I grew up in a, in a, um, a very, you know, Christian environment. My grandmother, to the point that we went to church twice on Sunday for most days. Oh, yeah. And that was Methodist morning, Baptist in the afternoon, because one of my uncles was a, a deacon at a Baptist church, so we would always have mom. to go, uh, yeah. right? So you, you know go, you know, whenever. You don't see no football games on Sunday. No, you don't. Absolutely <laughs> not. So you come home in time to see Walt Disney during those times, right? Um, but, you know, I, um, I started, um, so my first husband, um, more Baptist kind of vibe, um, but my current husband, Raj, um, is, is Hindu. Um, so I was actually going to school at Columbia Union College, which that's not what it's called now. It's in Tacoma Park. It was seven-day Adventist school. And um, when I was dating Raj, mm -hmm. I was like, you know, we have to take this course there. We had to take this course in my, my uh, degree program called um, Issues, Culture and Issues in, in Religion, right? And so I did all of my research on um, the Hindu religion, but they taught you all of these different you know, they, they talk to you about Buddhism and, you know, Judaism. I mean, all of the different, you know, variations that you can imagine. And it was a very oh, yeah. eye-opening course for me, right? So for somebody that wasn't worldly at that time, it was so eye-opening that it made me inquisitive about different religions. So therefore, you know, I can walk into really any religious environment and feel right at home. Because to me, it's not about religion per se. It is about a person of faith. There you go. Well, that's a great lead into this, the last quote I'm going to take, ask you to do, to comment on. And this is again from Moments of Choice. Fate seems to take care of everything. Even when you think you want to, even when, even when you want is not what you want, is best for you. As I mentioned previously, I met the man who would become my husband in a nightclub. We seem to hit it off right away. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to leave it right at that. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else came after that. Um, nothing X-rated or anything like that. Well, it says, it he's really a native of Trinidad. You talk about he being a native he's of Trinidad. Trinidad. He's from yes. Trinidad. That's yes. what he was. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and, and you're right, right, because that used to be my hangout spot. So I'm just going to tell you I was single, right? Uh, hanging out in the nightclub. I actually had my own little spot, so they would save me a spot at the bar um, next to the guy who had his name on the bar and his wife. Um, so I had my own little, little spot that I'd come in um, when I would be there, and he was just so out of place. And if you'd see my husband in those early years, he was really out of place. So Prince George's County, right? So you can think about Prince George's County. The nightclub was classics. Um, that used to be the place hey, to you, go. You know, like everybody. <laughs> For some of you younger folks, you may not know where it is. Just Google it. You'll see this nightclub. Um, and this guy who had jet black, long shoulder, curly hair, um, looked like he was straight out of India, um, sitting there. And no doubt, it was in the wintertime. And he had on a guy, I will never forget this, he had on white pants. I'm like, really? You don't wear white. <laughs> um and he looked like he was bored out of his life. But, you know, here I am scanning the crowd for, okay, who's going to be the guy that I want to buy me drinks this evening, right? And I'm scanning, and I'm like, dee, 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 dee. it's like, whoa, who was that? And so, you know, the, the couple that was with me, and they were just like, yeah. I was like, whoa. I was like, oh, man, he's a goner. 
He turned down every woman to dance. Oh, um, oh. Yeah, he did. He did. So, but I didn't have enough nerve to talk to him directly. Uh-huh. Plus, I was looking at him and I go, I'm not sure he could speak English. <laughs> <laughs> so his buddy seemed to be pretty chatty. So I started talking to his buddy and I go, hey, can your buddy speak English? And he goes, I don't know. Ask him. I go, well, that's not really what I asked you. <laughs> I said, could you tell him that when he gets done inside, I'd like to see him outside? And we talked all night long. That's a great story. Um, but we didn't really start dating for a while after that. I, I will tell you. So, because um, he was a young guy. And uh, if I would have known how young, I would have ran. So, I know I got a few minutes, Tammy, but I'm, I'm, this is where I'm about to go off script. I'm going to let folks shout out a question they want to ask me, Linda Singer. I said, Tammy, just hold ahead. Shout out a question they want to ask Linda Singer or I. That's for Linda, right? (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, Let's see. What was I doing at 14? Well, I mean, I was playing Mm. basketball with the guys in the country, so there's not a lot you can do at 14 in the country. Um, I would say, you know, I would probably tell myself that um, things are going to get better. Mm. Right. Like what I am experiencing right then at that moment, at that time, is not the way my life is going to turn out. And so that's probably what I would I would tell I like myself. Yeah. Um, and that is, in fact, what, you know, several of my aunts and uncles who you see in the big family. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, they several of them would would tell me that hey, you know, things are going to get better. That's, that's a great way to close. Um, that when I look at your life, and you've been able, you shared that with me, and I appreciate you sharing with me, that there's always going to be a trajectory. But that, you know, I'll say a little differently, that um, you might be going through hell, but hell ain't a, ain't a destination. Hell is a, is, a, is a place to go through, not a place to stay. Yes. And, and your life is, is a testament to that. Linda, I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Um, for what you've done for me and for Tico. Thank you all uh, for being here tonight at the, at, the, at the hotel. Thank you all for listening tonight. I can't thank you enough again. I can't thank Tammy and her team uh, for all the work that they've done to get us here together here tonight. Then thank you, Tammy. I'd be remiss if I didn't call out my boss, the chair of the Tedco board, Omar Mohammed from Morgan State. Thank you for being here tonight, young man. Again, my name is Troy Lamel Stovall, the CEO of Techco. Thank you all. See you next time. This is Techco Talks. We're out. Thanks again for listening. And a special thank you to our guest, Linda Singh, for joining in today's discussion. For more information on Techco and its activities, check us out at www.tedcomd.com. If you enjoyed today's discussion, Consider sharing and subscribing to Techco Talks.